0: on this, you'll get the little notice. And welcome to You Talking with Greg. I am here with Dr. Stephen Mendel, who is a pioneer in ketamine treatments uh, for a wide variety of different conditions, uh, depression, anxiety, PTSD. Um, He's a founder of American Society of Ketamine Physicians, Psychotherapists, and Practitioners. Um, He runs a clinic that has treated tens of thousands of people. Um, And uh, I got a notice about this. This is a little different from our normal you talking, which is big, often focused on big picture theory. Um, But I'm really, as everyone knows, I'm very interested in the concept of depression, uh, how we think about it, how we're treating it, what are cutting edge treatments, um, the connection between ketamine and potential dissociation and and psychiatric, I mean, um, uh, psychedelic treatments is fascinating. Uh, In fact, Dr. Mandel is an anesthesiologist Uh, So this is a really, really fascinating set of intersections. Dr. Mandel, thank you so much for coming on uh, and sharing uh, your wisdom with us.
1: Well, thank you, Greg. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm interested in what you have to say as well.
0: Well, I'm very interested
1: in your unified theory mm -hmm. and your thoughts about the connection between depression and suicide.
0: Absolutely. I'd be happy to share some of those notions. Uh, But first, let's get started with you and a little bit of your background for our audience. Can you just share a little bit of the story uh, or as much of the story as you'd like uh, that brought you to uh, this, you know, sort of pioneering way of intervening? Uh, So just in terms of a little bit of your educational background, your interests, and some perhaps key moments that uh, landed you in this uh, unique and cutting-edge position.
1: Well. I, I I grew up uh, in the, um, I graduated high school in 1960. Okay. So I started um, college with the 60s hmm. and with uh, the, the beat generation transitioning to the, the flower people yep. and with uh, Timothy Leary holding court in uh, Cambridge hmm. and uh, Richard Albert, all the things that they were doing, hmm. uh, I was... Um, Pre-med, but a psych major, mm-hmm. and very interested in psychology. I went on to do graduate school in clinical psychology at the University of Cincinnati. Ah, uh, when, when Bill Denver was chairman, it was really a very great place. I um, Anyway, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds. Uh, four and a half years later, I got um, an opportunity to go to medical school, and I took it. Everybody said, oh, he's going to be a psychologist psychiatrist at that time there was huge conflict between psychiatry and psychology absurd kinds of binary nonsense that we are so fond of doing as humans it's so pathetic I we need our to... little
0: categories to make sense out of the world
1: <laughs> yes yes um it would help anyway i went to medical school became an anesthesiologist uh had a nice career as an anesthesiologist and around in the oh i should mention that the nixon administration in 1970 basically interdicted all of the exciting psychedelic medicines that uh i and my friends were uh either curious about or actually exploring Uh and um it became um felonious to even be interested that's right um Fast forward about 30 years and um, not quite 30 years, uh, veterans began to get um, ketamine, which was approved by uh, the FDA in 1970 as an anesthetic. Okay. As an anesthetic in the repair of their war wounds, they were getting surgery stateside for Injuries suffered in, in uh, Afghanistan and, and mm. in Iraq. Mm-hmm. And people noticed, um, you know, these guys were having surgery. People were interested in their war wounds. Sure. But it became apparent that some of these guys were sleeping better. Huh. Some of them were cracking jokes. Mm. Some of them didn't have to sit with their back to the wall and their eyes on the door all the time. What's going on here? It was so counterintuitive and so non... Who would have thought of that? Right. Come on. Right. But eventually they said, geez, maybe it's the cami. Huh. And by 2000, a guy named Berman published a paper on this. Okay. And I had been very interested in mood disorders. Mm-hmm. I was a busy anesthesiologist, but I was very interested in psychology even hmm. though i was doing anesthesia
0: hmm. that's fascinating
1: i also had a mood and and um self-harm issues in my own family hmm. and that really kind of put it high on my awareness
0: well when you come when it's right next to you huh mm-hmm.
1: for sure personally hmm so by uh, 2006, a guy named Carlos Arati at the NIH took 28 patients, what are called TRD, treatment-resistant patients, stuff. patients who mm-hmm. had not responded to everything we know. Most of them had not had ECT, mm-hmm. but they had all the chemical stuff we know. Right. And they were still depressed. mm mm-hmm. Well, he gave those people one infusion. That was the way it was done then. Okay. Ketamine, half a milligram per kilogram over 40 minutes. All right. And 71% of those people were relieved of their depression. Now, I have to emphasize these are people who had been subject to every kind of pharmacological intervention known and all of the talking therapies and no benefit.
0: That's amazing.
1: One percent had relief of their depression. Well, I was gobsmacked, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. Jesus, <Jeez, laughs> like unbelievable. Huh. And I was an artist in ketamine because I was doing outpatient anesthesia where ketamine infusions were the key way to keep people asleep without instrumenting their airway. Okay, ketamine is a unique medicine and unique in anesthesia because it doesn't depress respiration it doesn't make smooth muscle flaccid okay so people can maintain an open airway while in very deep levels of anesthesia they also maintain their blood pressure and their cardiac output that's why it was so great Uh in in vietnam It, it, it was approved in 1970 by the fda as an anesthetic and it just immediately became um, the darling of all the battlefield crowd huh. because you, you could give someone a sub anesthetic dose of ketamine uh-huh. and it would numb their pain and their awareness, but they could function so that they could actually participate in their own evacuation. Wow. Okay. Unbelievable. Mm.
0: Huh. Fascinating. Can you say a little bit more about ketamine as that sort of how? Without getting too much in the detail, we don't have a medical audience here, but just a little bit about how it works as an it, anesthetic. It's
1: a cyclodine derivative. Okay. It, it's a kissing cousin of PCP. Hmm. PCP was discovered as an anesthetic and thought to be wonderful, except it produces a delirium in which people are often combative. Yeah. And it lasts for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And. In 62, they synthesized this cousin, Okay. and they did a lot of stuff in laboratories the way one does before one subjects people to it. And by 1970, the third the stage three trials had been run, and it was, it was winter. Huh. It was a dissociative anesthetic. We didn't know the word at that time, uh-huh. but it produced a state where people could function, at least their physiology could function, and yet they were deeply anesthetized. Hmm. So it was fabulous for the battlefield. Then this and drugs like it were interdicted. All the botanicals, all the other psychedelics. This was not because it was at the time, became, it rapidly became the most widely used anesthetic on earth. Really? And huh. literally for almost three decades, not quite three decades, but close, it was the single most used anesthetic in the world. Huh. Oh, it was given you. billions of times. That's why when we talk to about psychedelics and so people talk about mushrooms and MDMA and uh-huh. acid and peyote and mescaline and all these are very promising agents, and I, they have a great role to play in behavior. Uh-huh. It's just we just shouldn't slip so willy nilly from one agent to the next, even though some of them have the botanicals, thousands of years of use. Uh-huh. We don't have any data, right? We don't have any. Knowledge of how they function away from the shamans
0: mm-hmm. and away
1: from the culture in which they're embedded, mm-hmm. and it makes a difference, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. The context <laughs> is everything, <laughs>
0: yeah. I certainly believe that, uh, very much so. Oh, wow, that's really interesting. I had no idea that it was such a prominent anesthetic, uh, in the past. I, I was that's completely new to me. Uh, Still not that today, I'm knowledgeable it's about the this,
1: one of anesthetics on earth, and in fact, the World Health Organization organization has it on its list of 50 essential medicines that oh. every country should have included in the pharmacopoeia available to all citizens wow that's how safe it is okay that's how ubiquitous it is that's really okay that's very powerful and i that
0: makes good sense uh, in terms of uh, you know uh, a very important stamp of approval given its ubiquity absolutely um, okay, so how, then let's then, I'm sorry, I sort of derailed us a little bit to get back to your story. Uh, then you you noticed uh, these results coming out, uh, and you started to then get interested in, in your application to mental uh, illness conditions?
1: Well, it's really great that you did do this. This is no digression at all, because one of the huge confusions among the public and clinicians is the thought you're using the same drug in the same way Mm -hmm. this is the same molecule it's being used in a totally different way and in a totally different dosage range okay that's super important
0: okay Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense right because it uh, is
1: profoundly mm -hmm. effective as a transformative agent for people who are depressed for people who are suicidal Mm. for people who have ptsd Hmm? Many other indications, um, eating disorders, OCD, other things, but for depression, plain old simple depression, like hmm. there is such a thing. And <laughs> well, we can talk
0: about what we think
1: that is if we are oh, so That'd, inclined, that'd be but... fun. I'd like to yeah. do that. Yeah, I okay. would like to do that. Uh... And um, PTSD, it's just amazing. It's just yeah. amazing. And it is the same molecule. But the root of administration, the method of administration, and the dosage range is completely distinct. Okay. They're not giving an anesthesia or an mm. anesthetic, they're giving a ketamine treatment. Uh-huh. Okay. And let's talk a little bit
0: then about what that treatment is. Uh, dissociation is a word that pops up uh, quite frequently, as I heard you uh, describe it. But where, where would you like to begin in terms of what
1: does it mean as a treatment? We don't know why people are depressed. We can talk about that. But it isn't sadness. Mm, no. It isn't your puppy died or your girlfriend said no. That is true. It's in in Australia, one of the slangs for it is the black dog. Definitely. Has descended on me. And it's like you've got this big, fluffy, furry, suffocating something. Blanketing you. Between you and the attractive world. Yep. The unattractive world is still very available. (laughs) In fact, that actually gets jacked up, right?
0: right? In many ways. The unattractive world, the volume is up, and the attractive (laughs) world, the volume is greatly muted.
1: Mm. It's great that you say volume. One of the things that patients sometimes talk about is their voices, the bullying, shaming, totally, judgmental voices. Right. The volume Mm. is turned down tremendously Mm. and the given choice about whether to attend to it. That is okay. That's all right. So let's, uh, that's, uh, this is very exciting. Uh,
0: Very exciting because let's talk a little bit. This does lead us into, let's talk about depression. And then let's talk about anything. um, I think I heard you mention default mode network at some point uh, and what that is and the kind of structures maybe that are operative, but let's hold that for just a second and let's come back. So if I were to ask you, and then I'll I'll answer it. Uh, certainly, ask myself. You know, and I've asked this a lot. If I said, well, then it's clear, depression is clearly not just sadness. You know, your puppy dog died. Clearly, when you think about the construct, what's your? Do you have a frame for how you would describe it? Like, what is depression for you?
1: I'm going to answer that. I want to tell you what depression is. I want to circle back and complete the question I didn't complete before. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Which is to Sorry. say, I did anesthesia. I really more and more focused on how transformative ketamine was for behavior problems. Mm -hmm. And I started doing a few infusions of patients in the early 2000s. And in 2013, I did a bunch of them. And in 2014, I opened Ketamine Clinics of Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And since that time, and we've moved three times, we now have 5,000 feet in a big medical building with lots of people and fancy equipment. But that my focus in my life has been using ketamine to relieve depression, suicide, and PTSD huh. since 2014. So, what is depression that I'm trying to relieve? Well, I don't really know what depression is, okay. but I know it has for working. Approach the depression. It seems to have a triad mm-hmm. of feeling helpless, yep, feeling hopeless, yep, and feeling worthless, yep. With taking along a profound anhedonia, mm-hmm. nothing feels good. Right, things taste like sawdust. Music mm-hmm. is noise and annoying. Yep, a hug is a constricting, uh, uh, restricting thing. Mm-hmm. So that's my construct. I believe, and not everyone agrees, and we don't know who's right, I think there's often, very often if not always, very early traumatic events. And what's a traumatic event? And a traumatic event is something that happened. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, indelible occurrence there's the very malleable story or narrative we have around that. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Ketamine appears to enable people to revisit that trauma yep. and with the help yeah. of therapy. And it's so important this not be done recreationally because it doesn't work. Hmm. Not because it's naughty or bad, Because Mm -hmm. it's not going to get people where they want to go. Hmm. Ketamine opens the door. And some of my patients, oh, you put my brain through a car wash. You know, it's great. That is It gives them a new pair of glasses. But they don't know, often, they don't know the choices to make. Yeah. Without guidance. Lovely. So Ideally, this is done as part of a care. It's not just the ketamine. It's the ketamine plus the care. Lovely. It takes these people who are uh anhedonic yep who are terribly Mm -hmm. self-persecuting awful ways absolutely who have such horrible judgments about themselves yep and enables them to take a second look at whether that's whether there's an alternative it gives them that alternative Mm -hmm.
0: lovely Hmm. that's a beautiful description
1: It's not quick and simple. It's not magic. Mm-hmm. It takes, uh, in our clinic, we found about six infusions. Zorati did one. Uh, he had great results that lasted three to five days. Mm-hmm. And all the enthusiasts said, oh, let's do it again. And all the naysayers, and there were a lot of naysayers. And we could talk about that. Mm-hmm. Some of them really well-meaning people wanting to protect people from a novel treatment that maybe had some potential downsides mm-hmm. and i have to tell you a lot of people said oh damn if this works the stuff we're selling which is much higher priced and much less effective is has a problem <sighs> Right. Well, we get what's called institutional inertia, okay, and the resistances of an institution,
0: not unlike our psychological resistances, uh, can be well interesting forces to
1: deal with for sure. Well, but the institutional inertia has, I would say, even more reinforcement than the psychological inertia (laughs) because you have shareholders with whips. Yeah, no doubt. They don't care. They want to see quarter over corporate. Quarter right. And that's
0: there's a bottom line reality that is driving all sorts of processes at the institutional level for sure.
1: Not to minimize the horrible ravages of the defense mechanisms. Right. But this no. comes this comes from outside, whether you yeah. want it or not. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely.
0: Um, yeah, let me actually so th- let me uh share with you kind of my frame. OK, and then uh, see why I'm finding your story uh, very compelling. Um, OK, so uh, the system that I constructed uh, basically um, pulls out and abstracts the core function of the nervous system. OK, the core function of the nervous system is movement, uh, you know, in behavior and 3D space. Um, and then ultimately what I consider it to be is an investment value system uh, that's coordinating work effort. Okay. So essentially what the nervous system does is needs to model the animal environment relationship. Okay. Uh, engage in predictive processing, uh, pull out forms that allow it to move in particular ways toward things. And again, away from other things. Um, and that's an investment value system where it's expending work effort to get return on its investment. Um, it does this through dialectical processes like active passive. Okay. Indeed, your whole parasympathetic sympathetic nervous system is embedded in that Uh, Kind of dialectic. And as it engages in approach avoidance, pleasure and pain um, and the various motivational and emotional structures uh, that go give us uh, this kind of framework. If we look at the organization of our affect, the core, we get a circumplex model of affect. That sees active, passive, pleasure, pain uh, as core elements. As we move up the scale and we get into social primates, we add self-other dialectics uh, in our primate system. So we're tracking our status and our attachment on a self-other dialectic. That's also active, passive, pleasure, pain. Um, But if it is this investment value system, uh, then what it is doing is it's calculating a return on investment, um, both through a positive affect approach system, uh, behavioral activation system, and grossly a behavioral inhibition system, which I would actually divide up into a couple of different categories, but we'll just call it this for now. Um, And ultimately, in terms of the guidance systems of our behavioral uh, investments, uh, I'd actually call them minded behavioral investments. I could explain why. Um, But ultimately, these behavioral investment structures um, are balanced across these issues. If you find yourself in a situation And we use Seligman's dogs as an example. If you're a mammal, find yourself in a situation where your behavioral investment patterns are consistently blocked and frustrated, okay? Initially, there's a frustration, uh, an activation, uh, an anxious anger uh, that is attempting to overcome those obstacles. However, if you cannot find a path of behavioral investment through, then eventually what happens is the system begins to shift from an expenditure, okay, to a constriction. And the constriction then pulls your behavioral uh, activation approach system down. This is the shift into depression, where the gas pedal of approach and uh, hedon- hedonic pleasure, both the whole dopaminergic reward structure that gets you activated and gets goals going, basically shrinks the system phase shift so that you pull the positive affect system down and you then keep at or jack up the negative affect system. And so for me, depression then is a state of behavioral shutdown from the bottom where the basic animal motivational structure is shifting uh, and pulling and constricting the positive affect system and jacking up uh, the negative affect system. Uh, That's what makes depression different from anxiety, which is mostly a jack up of the active avoidance system uh, in relation. And that's the animal structure now the interesting thing about us humans is we have a narrator on top of the animal structure right we have a we have <laughs> tell a story about what the hell's going on. So our primate systems are doing this actually I would say our animal systems are doing this our primate systems are tracking our attachments often based on trauma and relationship issues um, in the, in that world uh, and then fundamentally we have to tell a story about who we are um, and that story often is a internalized critic. Um, which is an acronym I use for being critical and resistant and insistent and tense and irritable and controlling, okay? Which is a a set of beliefs about how I need to be in the world. Um, And what I see in depression is this animal shift that then captures this person narrator, okay? And then you create this neurotic loop, right? Of feeling like shit, believing you can't do shit, doing shit, and then feeling worse about it. Uh, And it is this black dog that's gripped a hold of your soul, both at the person narrating level and at the embodiment feeling level uh, that I encounter when I'm when I'm with somebody. uh, So many people that are depressed. Um, And that looping structure just dominates uh, the psychic experience of being. um, And it's brutal and and it's tough. Um, And what I'm trying to do when I enter this world as a therapist is I'm going to try to create a holding environment. Where we can begin the process uh, of recognizing where that loop is, uh, cultivating acceptance and insight into the loop, and then looking for ways in which we might uh, reverse that loop with basic behavioral activation principles, transformation of the narrative. But what is so hard with uh, treatment-resistant folks is that the walls on that loop are so deep and rich and channeled that even a really good therapist often has trouble uh, breaking in. Uh, and so I'll, I'll pause there and see uh, what your reaction to that narrative is.
1: No, I'm raising my hand because this is just perfect. You know, I'm I I, I, I re- I'm very intrigued with your model. It's new to me. I don't want to oversimplify it, but I think I'm on the same page. It's a very sophisticated and nuanced updating of, of old William James's fight, flight, or freeze. Mm-hmm. But it's much more... Uh, nuanced yeah it's well it's updated with a whole bunch of uh, the 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 circling the drain that you're dealing with with your patients and their your inability to break through the walls around this horrible loop um that's where ketamine can make an enormous contribution that that is what i heard you know And ketamine in the absence of someone to help guide the patient, the subject, the client into new good choices uh, may not go the way we wish it would. It could. And many people self-medicate and have transformative and very constructive experiences, but it's a crapshoot. It's mm-hmm. not recommended. If you can have a therapist there who understands what Greg, you just said, and can be there when the um, that circular thinking softens, and it doesn't, it's neither, it's not on or off. Totally. It's, Stronger or weaker, harder or or softer, exactly, and more or less amenable to scrutiny. Yep, and when you can be there to help someone to look at it, right, and to explore useful alternatives, that's when you can get transformation that persists way beyond the medical experience. I love. I love that. Let's give it a
0: little bit of, We can. I think we can flesh this out some. Okay. So this loop, so you have a default mode network. Okay. Uh, basically, this is just carrying your self-relevant self-world modeling in the back of your mind, so to speak. So you have making a Making
1: sense of chaos.
0: Yeah. Making sense of chaos that's relevant for me in the past going forward. Who am I in relationship to the world is the way I would basically describe the kind of offline default mode network. You have your tasks that you're trying to do and then when you daydream, what your default mode number is like. Hey, what was relevant for me, and the popping in uh, notions in relationship to this. Okay, now if we have this instance where an individual is traumatized historically, okay, and has then a potential in which they can get eaten by the world in some way. A trauma is this unbelievable abyss, uh, and whether you're you lose love, or whether you're going to have death, or whether you're going to be annihilated in terms of your status, whatever it is, is this. Oh my god, um, and I don't know how to metabolize this. Um, But this makes you vulnerable. And then if you fall into this black hole and your affective system is now basically, oh my God, all I see is threat and I see no pleasure, you can't get on the horizon. And if you have a trauma that you've defended against, now you have a narrator that the world's really dangerous, that you are potentially helpless, that the situation is potentially hopeless, and that you are potentially worthless in relation. Now, if this thing's grabbing that and creating that default mode network on a weak attentional system, because actually the executive structures come down when we're doing depression, when we're in a depressed mode, um, and at least an orient for pain across the stack, you are really, really in deep trouble. Right. And that's, yeah. and that's the deal. Uh, that's, that's the black dog. Okay. But now what we can do with certain like psychedelics. So I I'm a, as a as a psychologist, I'm interested in the ways in which the mind is creating the schemas, okay, schematic structures, and a stack of schematic structures. okay, And essentially, its default mode network is gripping the world. And what appears to be the case with psychedelic experiences is that there's a loosening or even a melting of some level of the classic self-world grip that you're used to. okay. So now you position yourself in the world. This is what's relevant to me. This is how I've screwed up. This is who I am. Now, any philosopher will tell you, and really, Mo- Buddhist monks will tell you, that is just one perspective on the world, right? That's that frame. To have knowledge about that is simply a frame out of an infinite number of possible frames of what you could pay attention to and how you could interpret it. That's one, and you're stuck in a parasitic looping, rigidly tied to that frame.
1: Well, if and we what's can... going on that you're stuck, why aren't you considering that just one? Maybe interesting. Maybe it's somewhat compelling, but why is it so compelling? And why aren't you considering the myriad of other ways of seeing yourself in the world? That is that is a great question. Where did you get stuck? Why mm-hmm. isn't it just a butterfly? Ooh, nice. <laughs> Next butterfly.
0: Totally. I think that's a great question. And what is it? And I think there are lots of different answers that drive that in relationship to this. I think we have, I think there's a loosening of some aspects of the cognitive structure i can talk a little bit about this in depression i think much of our cognitive structure is essentially the motivational emotional structures like a flashlight handle it shines where you're going to do so if the flashlight handle just shines on the negative and you have difficulty with certain kinds of task-oriented concentration the potential for this um, structure and then as you get the narrator on the same page as the feeling system then, then that's a it's like a it's like a it's like a speaker feedback loop it's like and it's like boom boom but it is super question, interesting as to how it is uh that that this thing gets so deeply channeled in some people
1: yeah but let me uh, take now a different tact or a related it's mm-hmm. not different at all it's the same nucleus that we're approaching from a different angle please yeah you you mentioned um soul before mm-hmm. And I think that's really wonderful to hear a psychologist talk about soul, because we talk about souls mostly on Sundays, (laughs) and we talk about bodies in our doctor's offices, and we talk about minds in our work, Uh, those of us who work with our minds as opposed to our bodies, and the siloing of our souls or our spirits and our minds and our bodies and their isolation from one another is Part of what keeps us stuck in this, I think, is part of what keeps us stuck in this loop. And what the ketamine does, and potentially other psychedelics can too. I just don't want to glibly jump over from one to the other because we know about ketamine. That's, that I, I'm know very, can do. I love that. We and know that what, it, what harms it can cause mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. can't cause. Yeah. And I think others, are, MDMA is in the pipeline. It's probably going to be approved in mid 24 mm-hmm. during late stage three trials the prompt it's very promising um psilocybin is quite the rage yeah i'm afraid it's partly because uh, some very smart people have found a way to patent some of the mm-hmm. things so that it's monetizable in a way ketamine is not okay interesting um that's unfortunately really relevant you know uh
0: Very much so. Well, I mean, what's the engine? We talked about it, you know, before. A-track
1: didn't prevail. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The best stuff doesn't always win out. It depends. Anyway, the mind, the body, and the spirit really are interesting ways of isolating for study the same ball of wax. Mm -hmm. But we tend to live as though they're distinct entities. Right. And it really feeds that judgmental narrative. Lovely. Yep. Totally. The um, um, so the, I in, in, in Utah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Mm-hmm. In, in in ketamine clinics, Los Angeles, we see people all the time who can't get out of bed, mm. who are having trouble with their personal hygiene, mm. who can't be parents, who can't be right. spouses, and or who are suicidal. Mm. and this is incremental this is not one and done mm-hmm. but after six treatments they're transformed that's their beautiful. wives, their husbands their parents their employees not calling in sick anymore they're smelling the flowers instead of sneezing from them mm. they're, they're tasting <laughs> the food Lovely. man that's amazing yeah. I said, this guy is just so pretty today now, this guy didn't change. The hamburger didn't change. The spouse didn't change. What changed? You know, I'm going to leave that to you, Greg, but I know that it doesn't happen without this stuff. Right. And it doesn't happen with this stuff alone.
0: Well, okay. So that's, this is super exciting. I'm so glad we're having a conversation. Um, right. So, so to me, what I, here's what I would say that I immediately would guess that the ketamine is doing. Okay. Uh, By the way, you're describing it. We talked about the keyword dissociation, right? Or uh, briefly, uh, and I'd like to hear maybe more about what you're uh, suggesting here. But what I would say is that that default mode network has a as an implicit but very powerful schematic about what the self's identity participate. What I would what we, my friend John Burvicki and I are building uh, the synoptic integration across. Uh, all the cognitive sciences and into the biological sciences and into the social sciences. um, So that we can give you a
1: headache.
0: Um, I mean, it's, (laughs) this is what I do. This is my little, you know, this is my role in the world to try to uh, create dancing between it's a lot of stuff for sure. It's a Um, lot of stuff, but I think we've actually figured out a way uh, to really do that. Like I'll just say, so you talk about body, mind, spirit, Um, actually I talk about us across behavioral frequency waves. So, I actually, the ground of it in this like a quantum field thing is like we're energy information at our ground. Okay. Uh, then we're material objects. Uh, then we're living organisms. Okay. Then I would say we're actually minded animals. We could talk about why I use that word minded animals, uh, which basically is the sensory motor looping system, uh, is your mindedness system. And then we're cultured persons, the cultured person. Uh, is the narrating system. Uh, And then we're seeking alignment with certain things spiritually. And I can explain why from a naturalistic position we are. Uh, And that's the wisdom stack ultimately is an energy information, material object, living organism, minded animal, cultured person, and its organization across those layers of energy information.
1: And are you calling it cultured person when it's giving you feedback that you're really doing well. Maybe you, next time you might do something better, but you're doing well and that music sounds great. Or when that cultured person is saying, you're really a piece of shit. Right. And it, yeah, it's a nice suit, but nobody's fooled. Right. Cultured person refers- Is that a cultured person yeah. too? <laughs> yeah, they're both cultured person. Cultured <laughs> person simply refers to the propositional network it's structure. It's at the apex of what's running the show. Well, but it's this kind of a nurturing apex, and the well, other sure. kind of a punishing apex.
0: Totally. In fact, actually, that uh, if you get into my approach, that what I call the common core of psychotherapy delineates some of these very core elements about the critic relative to actually. I have a integrated approach to uh, psychological mindfulness. In fact, I even built these little flashlights. Uh, it's called COMMO. Okay, COMMO is an integrated approach to psychological mindfulness. The MO stands for a metacognitive observer, a meta observer. Okay. Step outside your subject object relation and begin to see yourself, which is, by the way, an, a shift in the self world relation, right? When you shift subject object relation. And so instead of I am having a really good conversation with Stephen, Greg is having a really good conversation with Stephen. Even that little shift creates a subject object frame shift. It's interesting. Um, Calm as opposed to negative reactivity. Calm is just a word that's uh, sort of affectively the opposite. But ultimately, it's much more than that. It stands for curiosity. The C stands for curiosity. A stands for acceptance. L stands for loving compassion. And M stands for motivated toward valued states of being. Um, And so, what ultimately this is, is about we're going to create a context where we're going to be able to have insight through curiosity and wonder. Uh, We're going to have radical acceptance across what is we're going to have loving compassion uh, for what the the fundamental dignity of the individual and then we'll be motivated toward valued states and we'll be clear about what our values are and we'll be positioned in relation uh, my
1: argument is actually i would love to provide um i'm not going to do the design right here right now but <laughs> you know if we could do um half with the talking and the flashlight and half with the talking and the flashlight and the ketamine and do some outcome measures. I would love that. I think it would be very interesting. Great. In fact, actually, I argue
0: that the this is the common core. And actually, what I argue that this should be is this should be the standard control for psychotherapy. Okay. Like the the like the competent the it, because actually, if you know research design and psychotherapy, one of the horribly conflating, confusing things is what is that rightful control condition? And since we don't have any generalized Therapy, the supportive therapies vary tremendously as control conditions in terms of their actual whether they're actually bona fide treatments. Some of them basically are humanistic bona fide treatments, and some of them are unbelievably lame, annoying experiences. Okay, that I, that would be just irritating uh, and and cause you to lose your mental health just if you have contact with it, right? So so if that's your control, then you're as long as you don't irritate the hell out of your patients, you're going to get a good comparison. Um, but COMMO is basically this common core that actually, if you look at what it is that really, the core elements that cut across psychotherapy, and um, you're probably aware of the dodo bird finding, the general finding that uh, psychotherapies actually uh, more or less have very similar outcomes when you look a, at a broad picture view, there certainly are some differences. Uh, but I came from the cognitive behavioral tradition. I thought that was more empirically supported. My read expert read on that and actually that's not the right conclusion um the right conclusion first is there's a general common core and then maybe there are some certain specific kinds of interventions that are particularly useful with particular kinds of issues but that's much more the the frequency of that kind of variance is much smaller than the general finding um but i would love but that, in, that what would of
1: those core things mm-hmm. or any of those things for that whole spectrum any part of that spectrum To be meaningfully transformative for patients. They have to have a certain level of readiness. And a certain ability to commit. We're seeing people who are almost moribund. Right. Not all of them. We see some very highly functional. We -hmm. see people you see on TV every night. Who are singing and dancing and Mm. witty as hell. But we're also seeing people who literally can't get out of bed, who Mm have problems with really taking a shower is a big challenge for them. Yeah, totally. And their readiness, their ability to function, their ability to concentrate, to focus. Focus is so important. Completely. To hold a thought and pursue a goal more than a very fleeting interval is impaired terribly. Absolutely. This restores that. This medicine, so exciting to me. That is so exciting to me. Gets them to be able to focus, to concentrate, right? And I mean, to have a goal and and to be willing to conserve and direct and expend energy toward that goal.
0: And that a little really, behavioral activation going.
1: <laughs> say again? I said that's getting behavioral activation going. Yes focused and yeah, concentrated and, and moving in one direction mm-hmm. instead of being dissipated like radiating out everywhere totally. and achieving nothing exactly and it's just exhausting to be totally and I, all of a I... sudden they have purpose and they have energy and even though the world is still if you really look at it pretty damn daunting mm-hmm. they're managing to plow through that is... not even to plow through but to flip through to get through the 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 porosities in the, what seems like a wall.
0: Yep. Wow. That's great. That's really, and that makes good sense to me. In fact, you know, my, when I uh, graduated, I went to get my postdoc. I was at the university of Pennsylvania. I worked with Beck uh, for, and and what I was tasked with was. Doing Beck? A, yeah. Aaron, Tim, Aaron Beck. Yeah. Uh,
1: the depression.
0: Mr. Mr. Cognitive Psychotherapy. Yeah. Yep. That
1: guy. Yeah. We use that. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, he's yep. really great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, he passed away a little while ago. Um, it's he, he, nice you got to know him, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I worked with him for four years, and I ran uh, uh, the, one of the largest ever suicide uh, studies of uh, people who had recently made a suicide attempt. Uh, so we actually brought in 180 people um, uh, over the course of two different studies uh, for people who had recently made a suicide attempt. And I bring that up because a good subset of those were severely, uh, almost catatonically depressed at various times I dealt with. Uh, and when you're in that mode, uh, the capacity to uh, engage that system is enormously difficult from a pure therapy perspective. I, you just don't have much that you can grab a hold of. Uh, you can be present, you can be caring, but that is not enough. Um, and even you can shrink the behavioral and cognitive interventions and things like that. But there's just not enough energy in the system. Uh, so I was definitely like, you know, do you do ECT? But the idea that you could do academy. ketamine treatments, you know, infusion treatments would have been an enormous benefit to me uh, in that kind of context, for sure.
1: So let me throw a question at you. Okay. In ketamine clinics of Los Angeles, we see lots of suicidal patients. Mm -hmm. Many clinics turn them away. KCLA does not. We Mm -hmm. welcome. I mean, please don't. Mm -hmm. We take almost everyone. Mm -hmm. And we see depressed suicidal patients. Mm -hmm. And we have an 83% success rate in lifting their depression. Minus. We have a almost a 90% success rate in relieving their suicidality. The question for you is most patients over time have a recurrence of their depression. Mm-hmm. There are many things we can do to moderate the pace at which that occurs, that but makes- it occurs. Mm-hmm. Very reliable. Mm. They don't have a return of their suicidal ideation. Wow. They just don't. Now go figure. How can that be so separate? That suicide does not come back. Now, you know what? Occasionally it really does, mm-hmm. but it's like infinitesimally small. That is a fact. One in a hundred gets suicidal yeah. again. Wow. And yet almost everyone not everyone, but almost everyone needs boosters. Mm-hmm. Some at four months, some at eight months, some at yep. two years, but almost everyone needs boosters to he- head off an impending return to depression. Okay. But they don't have an impending return to suicidality.
0: Wow. That's really fascinating. Uh, it's, you know, amazing, and that's it's amazing. And it's
1: inexplicable to me. Yeah. I don't
0: get it. Um yeah so this here's what, so here's what the you know my my uh, um and this is whatever off totally off the cuff okay uh but fundamentally the what justifies suicide okay the 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 justification of suicide uh is at the cognitive level is i am absolutely the in misery. roi on suicide what's that
1: what's your roi on suicide?
0: <laughs> well right it's escape obviously it, it is i'm an absolute psychic I'm a burden on people. There's an interpersonal theory to this in relationship to this. Um, there's the hopelessness element in relationship to a cognitive. Uh, there's the extension of pain and, and darkness and a fundamental sense of nihilism uh, in in relationship to the world. Um, and essentially, the looping function is, because I will be like this forever, it makes no sense for me to continue. I must escape. Um, that If there is a Sort of collapse in an interpersonal world. I'm a burden on the world. I'm a burden on myself. There's nothing but pain, and it's never going to stop. Um, and and then I- a potential logical conclusion on a return on investment model as well. Nothingness is better than this misery. Um, I'd rather be. Would you, where uh, would you
1: put anger in that?
0: Well, well, sir. A- anger comes in re- in return in regards to the energy to destroy. Okay. Uh yeah. so and so there there is a fundamental resentment at oneself and that other and of course there's a whole whole freudian notion in relationship to the relationship to why you would shut down potentially because of an enormous amount of frustration of a loss object or a potentiality that never gets realized or a sense of resentment against god or self or other. Um, and, and those things then will increase the likelihood of violence and the likelihood of a destructive impulse. Uh, so you, that's a, a, part of the ingredients upon which people will then, uh, be, you know, and then you just stack the variables, like how much psychic, how much hopelessness, how much rage, how much impulse loss in terms of, oh, you got alcoholism, uh, you know, what kinds of issues in relationship to, uh, does this mean in terms of the existential crisis that individuals have about, you know, what this will be forever, um etc yes i so, you know but the, so to and, me the issue then is does ketamine if ketamine gives access to a fundamental realization of a self-world shift that you believed you would never be able to you were in a place where you're like this self-world is inevitable it's always the case it will never have any possibility of escape and you then have contact with something that actually shows you oh my god this is actually this is a function of my, the way myself was gripping the world Right. This there there is. This wasn't everything. This was a this was a narrowing of an of a worldview that felt like everything, but it actually wasn't everything. And I could now see that actually I can I can feel this, but it, it's I have a perspective on it. So to me, my question would be cognitively whether or not what's happening to these individuals is they actually have a learning element that allows them to see. Wait a minute. Although I feel like shit. It is plausible to me that I will get out of this. It is plausible to me that this is a narrowing. It is a plausible to me that this is a particular idiosyncratic construction that somehow I may be able to shift out of. When people are suicidal, that's not plausible. It, it that is simply is the world and is the way the world will always be. That's why they end it,
1: right? Um, and so they, and the the so way they you're have... describing when the blinders come back on, they know it's them wearing the blinders. It's not the world exactly. And, and so they're there is a, a, a kernel of hope or some hint of a direction in which to go, and it, that staves off the, the desire to, to end everything. I mean, that's a I I'm just bullshitting a possible explanation.
0: <laughs> Me too. Me too. You know, you know, I wouldn't have necessarily said it. This is a post hoc thing, but I'm super excited that it does. And that'd be the first kind of place that I would go uh, to begin to cr- what seems to be a potentially credible. It's
1: it's very reliable. The depression goes away, the suicidal goes away. Most often the depression comes back not as profound. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously they now have solution. But uh, now we have a program, a five-step program of good nutrition, Uh uh, a good interpersonal relationship, good sleep hygiene. Sleep hygiene is crucial.
0: Uh
1: Exercise Uh and talking therapy. And if people can do those sleep hygiene, nutrition, exercise, intimate interpersonal relationship, it doesn't have to be physical, but right peer to no. peer close. Yep,
0: yep, yep, yep.
1: And a talking therapy, they may have no return of depression and no need for boosters.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Huh. That's great.
1: Yep. No, those
0: are. Uh... I mean, the unified theory. Uh, sort of uh, one of the things that I did is um, I retranslated uh, the core individual psychotherapies: um, behaviorism, uh, emotion-focused humanistic therapy, the psychodynamic therapies, and cognitive, existential, narrative therapies. I cluster all those together for um, into what are called systems of adaptation. Okay. Your uh, core system and adaptation, your habit systems. Uh, this is through your basic cyclical functions, your procedural memories, the basic embeddedness that you have uh, reliably in the in the world, and the kind of basic stimulus response chaining that you engage in. Um, then you get the experiential system. This is your online perceptual, motivational, emotion system, where the emotions are uh, and motivational structures are responding to what it is that you see, um, and then the emotion focus folks uh, emphasize here. Uh, you have your primate relational attachment system, uh, tracking status and what I call the felt sense of relational value. That's to what extent are you seen, known, and valued by important others, uh, relative also to key traumas, uh, and what that means in terms of your internal working models. Um, on top of all this, you have your person justification system and narrating privately to yourself and publicly, and then regulating all that, you have a psychic defensive system, you know, basically defense mechanisms that psychodynamic people have pointed to. Um, so you, so. What we want to do is we want to track these systems of adaptation. And what you're describing is, hey, get that habit system. I do C's for habit, S-E-E-S-S, which starts uh, with sleep. The first C-S is sleep. Uh, Then you get eating, exercise activity, uh, substance use, and sexual activity. Uh, Those are your habit structures that I absolutely look at. Uh, Then when we look at the affective system, state trait uh, and then the emotion system, I mean, the relationship system, whether you're seen, known and valued, feel supported and connected can be challenged in relational world. And then ultimately that narrator, you have a calm MO narrator, you can activate, or you have this internalized, hateful critic, uh, sort of an internalized, rigid, introject, super ego, and it's transforming the, the the critic to calm, creating a holding relational environment and healthy habits uh, get people. Uh, so that's, It uh, that's... sounds
1: great, and it wonder, what the wonderful contribution that ketamine can make is give people the oomph, the energy, oh. and the focus, and the concentration to pursue these paths and to move up this hierarchy. And, you know, if they can't get out of bed, or they get out of bed and just taking a shower takes most of the morning, and then they've got to brush their hair, and it's really than they can handle they want to lie down for a while right. and it takes them to people who can actually move up this hierarchy in real time in ways that you know are in sync with the world and other people
0: I've always said if we had if we could do some sort of biophysiological reset that wasn't so dramatic as es ECT right uh, but could do- well, but ECT
1: is not without its uh, it may reset in the sense that it's a reboot. But the, uh, it, it leaves, you, you then not only have to reboot, you have to start reprogramming. Yeah, no, it it's, erases, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real problem. Uh, it comes too. with, if
0: you could have a simple, healthy, safe reboot, and that's what I heard with the Academy. It's like, oh my God, I can shift the self world, create some yeah. dissociation, yeah. reorganize, loosen some of this stuckness, and then re-energize the system. And then if you if you could reinforce it and get the return on investment in a proc zone proximal development that you've now opened up. Now man, that's a that is a really compelling, um, really yeah. compelling model.
1: Well we're doing it without uh the wonderful system you're describing, we're doing it with um plus um trauma focused therapy. We're doing yeah. it with ketamine plus cbt mm-hmm. um cognitive behavior therapy. We're doing it with um, many people like uh, internal family systems. Yep, uh, It kind of really works very well. And I see how it would resonate very well with what you're proposing. Yep. Like What you're proposing is a much broader, higher level view of what's going on. But internal family systems works very nicely for people who are stuck in a kind of bullying, judgmental narrative. Totally. And the, their parts aren't playing nice they are not
0: playing nice (laughs) that is exactly right there's a destructive opponent process between the various domains uh and and the the uh, ability to find the core self that can be present and hold those is is actually you know how we would define the core self maybe a little different uh from but it's absolutely yes i'm very well versed in uh internal family systems and and my system Basically, across all of those different things, the the key insights that are being offered, the cool thing, at least from a Utah perspective, is like, I can take these and turn the noise that they generate if you try to zoom back and say, well, you know, which way, how are we listening to now you're listening to all these different songs and you blur them together and you get a lot of noise, but actually, there's a zoom out and you can actually, oh, they're actually playing different instruments that I can now put into a holistic song uh and then you can change
1: the noise into a symphony
0: cha- yeah change the noise to music uh, and into a symphony ultimately uh and that's that's cool uh to be able to do for sure
1: it's music to my ears uh,
0: well i'd be i'm happy to uh you know and i think there's a i i have always wished uh, that that you, the way you're describing ketamine is it really fills a beautiful hole uh for me as a psychologist um in many many different treatments uh, I, that's why I was super excited to hear about it. I was like, man, I wish I could have worked with medical doctors doing this kind of thing. Uh, for it's not medication. too late. Well,
1: it's yeah, not well,
0: too late. <laughs> no, that's true. I mean, I'm I'm now a theorist, but I still have my license and maybe who knows, you know, at the level but of...
1: Uh, you but, mentioned uh, um, substances. And ketamine is very good for um, helping people... Uh, resolve their attachment to alcohol, mm. to opiates, to uh, sometimes, to benzos. Mm. It's profoundly effective in changing your relationship to your substance. Now, people will say, what, you're giving an addictive substance to somebody who's addicted? Come on, you're be nuts. First of all, it isn't addictive. Ketamine mm. is not addictive. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be very compelling. Mm-hmm. No more so than ice cream or chocolate mm-hmm. or, or people who just love to strap on wings and jump off cliffs because it just gives them such a rush. Right, But it's not addictive, like an opiate, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like uh, tobacco, uh, like alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, then you also mentioned um, as you zoom out, you can take these individual instruments and maybe amalgamate them into good music or even a symphony. Uh And beyond that, we have people using or wanting to use. We don't do it in our clinic. Ketamine Clinic Los Angeles focuses on depression and and afflictions, Uh people who have diagnoses. Uh But there are many people wanting to use psychedelics, including ketamine, for performance enhancement Mm. who are not impaired in their ability to function at all But mm-hmm. who are seeking to maximize every possible way to function, mm-hmm. and whether or not that's real or delu- or illusory remains to be seen. You know, we had a number of experiments with cocaine mm-hmm. and with other things, and the performance enhancement was delusional. Mm. Performance actually wasn't better. Right, like the drunk who thinks he can drive better. Gotcha. No, or I. Better after I've had a couple of, of, of glasses of wine at lunch.
0: Yeah,
1: you don't ski better, but you are more focused and relaxed. But you just your reaction time sucks. Right. Anyway, excuse me. <laughs> no, uh, so listen, being used for performance enhancement, whether or not it actually does. But I, for people who are relating to me as artists and creators, they claim it loosens some of their internal structures in a ways that facilitates their making novel connections mm-hmm. just as the more impaired person or less effective person was was telling you that they're in this endless loop and you're trying to find a way right. to break the circle
0: well that's a that's a really uh so uh, when i'm doing like I, I have this little side business doing talk coaching, uh, basically, you know, co- coaching people through Utah. Uh, And we, we we hold it in two hands. And one is we're going to put a basement on any kind of, you know, struggling suffering. And that's this whole CommMO thing. And then ultimately, we're going to explore ways to release and realize your performance potential, uh, the Dharma, your path to Dharma, which is basically doing, being and becoming uh, what it is that, you know, aligns with your goals, values, and potentialities, uh, and, and what the society will receive and all of that, you know, um, now like how to do that. Um, now, now speaking for me actually, and people on the show know this. Um, so I discovered that for my system, uh, marijuana actually affords a particular kind of response, um, in, in relation that I then utilize for creativity um uh it, you know we can debate whether this is a empirical phenomenon uh but of course there's always empirical aggregate phenomenon versus n of one um and i think basically the development of the unified theory is good evidence that actually this thing you know um and so what it actually <laughs> does for me essentially it's really it, it actually um i can tell uh, i have enough knowledge of my psyche neurostructure structure that basically so my default mode network is making Connections throughout the week. Okay. My executive structure is basically skeptical of a lot of those associative connections. Okay. What weed does for me is it lowers the threshold for associative linkaging. Okay. Meaning that what before is like, ah, oh, that's a lame link. Okay. Now it gets lowered and says, oh, that's a cool link. Okay. Um, and of course, then what you do is you get a lot of false positives on the one hand, it's like, oh, that's really cool. And you wake up the next morning, that's kind of bullshit, right?
1: Well, you're saying it makes you less judgmental it makes me Are less you?
0: judgmental it makes me less reduction mm-hmm. it makes me that's more the, open
1: that's what ketamine does in uh-huh. a re- really profound way
0: yeah absolutely it does uh, it makes me it gives me a creative expressive it makes me come up with stupider ideas on the one hand but it makes me come up with better ideas on another uh, it's less
1: know, filtered
0: it's just less filtered
1: uh yeah it, and when it, we when we use the traditional antidepressants uh-huh. it raises the, the floor-hmm uh-huh. But it lowers the ceiling, mm. and <laughs> people are in this narrow mm. band. Right, right. And so, so, if I two. do
0: once a week or twice a week, I can then pop into and then yes. I explode and then I share, organize my thoughts, and then the next morning I see what diamonds I found out of the uh, out of the structure, and then I can bring my critical mind, and that's a variation, selection, retention, creative process, and as a basic evolutionary process, I'll jack up variation okay uh and, and then I will return to a critical selection and see it's the combination of variation selection that affords good retention uh, and thankfully I've been able to build an accumulative structure through a systematic process of variation selection retention to build this you know flowering uh system uh, ultimately it's represented in a garden um a flowering system of knowledge that enables me to uh, kind of make connections and place these different instruments and uh, afford music from them. So I, I say that to to say it is certainly my personal experience that there are opportunities for, you know, certain kinds of psychedelically assisted structures to enable uh, creativity, performance enhancement. Although again, they have to be constrained, we have to be responsible, they have to be, there has to be good critical selective re- <laughs> structures uh, to make sure they don't come off the wheels. But if we hold that in good dialectical tension, I think that's a very, very, promising way of being oh i'm very
1: enthused about that i definitely think it's huge fruitful exploration to be done there Mm -hmm. i'm a physician i have a license i have regulators particularly in this area which is still stigmatized Mm. uh, for wrong reasons but it is Mm -hmm. and i must treat people pursuant to a diagnosis Mm -hmm. i'm not going to be allowed to treat people totally and when someone comes to me and says, i want to make better paintings or i want my next album to sell 10 million instead of 1 million um i want that for them too i can as a professional physician in california be part of that process in a way that isn't very risky for me totally no that makes good sense that's a that's a fascinating philosophical set of questions also yeah uh,
0: about what is healing and and what yeah. is uh, what's medicine and all this other yeah. stuff? These are Utah's got a lot to say about that as well uh, in an interesting way. So, uh, but uh, yeah, no, I hear you. Um, but it would when be.
1: I'm, I'm my in my uh, focus and my. Um, I'm not as theoretical. I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm in the minds, and my area of the minds, for me, I minds is a pun, um, <laughs> or a play on words. Yeah, but. Um, My focus probably because of what how I was and what was going on when I was a kid is on the suffering. Yep. Um I have much more empathy for the guy who can't function than I do for the guy who is really kind of bummed that he only sold two and a half million albums and he wanted nice. to sell ten. And I yeah, I have sympathy for both. But my I want people to be husbands and fathers and be able to go to work with joy and enthusiasm amen and when i get all those taken care of then i'll help you sell your album
0: amen man i think uh, that's a beautiful sentiment that's certainly where my heart (laughs) took me into psychotherapy uh and and indeed with uh, working with some of the people who have had the hardest lives that you can imagine uh and you know um and and that's where I feel I want to be devoting and have devoted uh, a lot of my clinical attention. Uh, I also am as a theorist and I uh, work in levels of abstraction, but nonetheless, but, I, but it's levels of abstraction toward this issue of doing, uh, cleaning up uh, the confusions and getting to the heart of the issues with clarity uh, so we can make uh, better coordinated
1: decisions. Yeah. And it's so peculiar how people put this stuff together. Because some of the people who really at the are at, at the very high levels of performance and functioning have had horrendous beginnings. Mm-hmm. Sure. Have had really traumatic, ugly, um, crushing first few years. Mm-hmm. Look, we're we're celebrating fifty years of hip hop, and I think a lot of folks never dreamed hip hop was going to be around fifty years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's been such a journey to watch this flower, mm. and now we're seeing all these kids from the ghetto mm-hmm. in, in 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 late middle age on, on the radio talking, interviewing about how their their youth is and how they are now and how they've dealt with their their bounty mm. and how they've addressed their trauma. In constructive ways rather than just wearing a lot of bling or spending more than the next guy or seeing how many mm-hmm. groupies they can be with. Right. Um, it's just, and then we have people from what look like very similar neighborhoods who can't function mm-hmm. or between the prison and the bottle and the needle. Mm. And it's not because they love that stuff, <laughs> they can't not be there. Right. And, uh, You know, it's very hard to understand how one person gets to one place and one gets to the other with what looks like fairly similar stimuli.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well... (laughs) The uh, it's a super complicated agent arena relation <laughs> and, and and then path construction uh, with a lot of feedback loops and a lot of ambiguity, luck, error, etc. cetera. But uh, there are I think we can do a lot better than we've done in sense making along those lines. We'll put it that way.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, if but, Public uh, policy took this oh. seriously and didn't make it. Didn't cop out that, oh, it's a matter of chance hmm. or, oh, it's the family's responsibility. It's all of our responsibility. Totally. It's a multi-level. We have to bring multi-level. every tool to bear that we can on seeing the people grow straight and tall. Totally. Every one of them. Absolutely. Yep.
0: No, that's uh and right, the the talk argument is that we're we have not created uh the world view uh the scientific humanistic structure uh at the educational level at the family at the work level that is conducive uh to uh, or at least relative to our power our biological and physical powers uh we haven't done a great job as conducive to the flourishing of the soul as it were uh for at least for many but public many
1: public policy can have a huge impact on that totally now listen we can childhood hunger went down i, I don't want to get on a soapbox mm-hmm. here but childhood hunger went down by way over 50% when um, there was an increment in what uh, aid people could get last year. Mm-hmm. And and when the COVID emergency subsided and the Congress elected to not renew those grants, we resumed having childhood hunger. That's oh. a choice. And we, you know, if, we're, if we think we're saving money, we're just kind of nuts <laughs> because we'll pay for those compromised developments in, you know, at least Ten bucks on the dollar. Yeah.
0: Childhood hunger. Right. Seriously. (laughs) Right.
1: Anyway, the ketamine helps. Your approach facilitates the making of good choices after ketamine has opened the door. Hmm. And energize the system to be able to actually embrace and move toward those choices. Well, I,
0: I really uh, appreciate your innovation. Uh, I appreciate your vision. Uh, I love that. That complimentary feels right to me. Uh, when I uh, got the email and looked into it, I was like, God, that's the kind of thing that I wanted. Um, so I just want to honor you. Uh, thank you. I'm sure that many, many people's lives have been uh, enormously positively impacted uh, by your choice to be oriented in that direction, have the vision to see that, uh, and to really implement it in the clinics and policies that you're doing. Uh, it's a beautiful thing, and I deeply thank you for it.
1: Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to get to know you a little bit and to speak to your audience. This is um, this is a pleasure. Doing this work is so gratifying to the people who do it. I hope you're getting that. I, I, from giving ketamine in my clinic, it's just, um, it's a source of enormous gratification to be an instrument in other people emerging from that bleakness
0: amen amen well now uh, that's spreading goodness truth and beauty uh that's what we're about thank you so much uh deeply appreciate it coming on so thank you